3: From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. It's been a while since we had a real summer, no? Here in the Bay Area, where we've taken COVID seriously, the last two summers were not normal. This year, well, it remains to be seen. COVID cases are rising again, right as students are approaching the end of the school year, and the inflation, whew. Bought some airline tickets recently, and let me tell you, the sticker shock is real. Gas prices are up too, so we're talking this morning about summer travel. Did you plan a summer of travel? Are you going to follow through with it? That's all coming up next. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. During that first pandemic summer, my family did something we've never done. My wife and I packed our kids into a big camper van and camped our way to my in-law's house in Colorado. We absolutely loved it, and it felt like we'd learned something new about how we like to vacation. The pandemic, I think, changed the way that many of us understood travel. But are those things going to stick? As we approach summer, we're joined this morning by a panel of expert travelers, and we hope to hear from you about your summer travel plans, or maybe the lack thereof. Joining us to talk travel are Don Gilbertson, travel columnist at the Wall Street Journal. Welcome, Don. Good morning. We're also joined by Janine Romo, travel blogger and co-host of the Oh My Travel podcast. Welcome, Janine. Thank you. And Ashley Anadelli, a travel writer and family travel advocate at The Points Guy. Welcome. Thank you. Um, Ashley, maybe let's start with you. We're going to kind of go around the horn here. We want to hear about your most memorable summer trip from this kind of past couple years of pandemic weirdness.
4: Oh, gosh. Um, in the summertime, oh, gosh. We kind of done our trips on either end of the summer. So we were lucky enough to go to New Orleans um, mm. late last May, um, which was amazing. Um, <laughs> Funny story, my daughter is only two and a half, but we were practicing her wearing a mask in the off chance that we could be on a plane um, last summer. So she did really, really well actually uh, with her mask and my my son is four, so he did really well. And it was a fantastic trip, Um, being able to be outside and New Orleans is one of my favorite cities and getting to share that with my kids. Yeah, (laughs) getting to share that with my kids despite the pandemic and we were all able to still stay safe.
3: Um, it was an awesome trip. That's great, Don Gilbertson. How about you? Favorite uh, summer trip during this kind of pandemic period?
5: I don't know if it was my favorite, but pro- probably one of the strangest was in the you know in 2020. So you know the first several months, um, my sister lives in New Orleans, and I flew to see her. I was flying around a lot for work uh, just to see what it was like, and made one of the stops there. And I just remember riding bikes. Uh, she lives on Metairie, and riding bikes in the rain from her house to the French Quarter. Mm. And, you know, so this was probably June or July when people, you know, in some parts of the country were traveling again, and it was absolutely dead. I mean, right. not like literally-
3: Not a soul inside, yeah.
5: Yeah, I mean, you know, the bars the bars were open, but it was, that, that's kind of one of the most enduring memories of how how dead things were at the mm-hmm. time for sure.
3: Yeah. If you can shut down the French quarter, that's, uh, that's pretty powerful. Um, and how about you, Janine Romo?
2: Oh man, so many, so many good trips. Um, I guess one of my most memorable was a road trip up the California coast and going up to, um, Monterey, Big Sur, Mm. Carmel, um, went to Point Lobo State Park, which was really nice. Um, it was just a really good time. And, Again, being outdoors um, during the pandemic was the go-to for so many people. And um, California does not disappoint in
3: the outdoors. <laughs> We're talking about the summer travel season this year, whether it's, you know, a regular old you know car trip to visit cousins or grandparents or grandkids or fancy vacation somewhere special. We'd love to hear from you about what you have planned this summer. Our phone number here is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you know them, the KQED Forum, and the email's forum at kqed.org. We're, of course, joined by Don Gilbertson, a travel columnist at The Journal, Janine Romo, a travel blogger and co-host of the Oh My Travel Podcast, and Ashley Onadelli, a travel writer and family travel advocate at The Point Sky Um, Don Gilbertson, let's talk a little bit the big picture uh, travel summer this year. The tickets are super expensive every time I've looked to go anywhere. Um, Is is that just like um, I'm expecting that because I've been hearing about inflation or are tickets really that expensive?
5: Tickets are really that expensive. I mean, you know, tickets are expensive when you have airline executives pretty much gushing about. Uh, ticket prices, uh, in their own jargon, of course, on their quarterly earnings conference calls. I mean, executive after executive after executive has just mentioned how excited they are about travel demand roaring back and the pricing power that gives them.
3: Mm. And I mean, what are we talking like? Is this a 10% increase? Is it a 50% increase?
5: Well, year over year, according to the latest CPI data, it was you know thirty three percent unadjusted, but there was like almost a twenty percent jump uh, between I want to say March and April. So, I mean, just to give you some examples, uh, you know, especially in in your neck of the woods, you know, I was pricing yesterday a flight from San Francisco to New York in middle of the summer, July, and the cheapest, and I mean the cheapest, we're not talking the prime time I was seeing for these particular dates was north of $800 round trip. Wow.
3: Yeah. I mean, it just, I was uh, looking at visiting family this summer up in Portland, Oregon, you know, five to $800. I mean, it, that's an expensive flight to go that far, you know? I mean, it's a two hour flight. Um, how did the, you know, one, one question I've had throughout this whole time as travel's been coming back is we know that the airlines kind of reshaped their flight networks right in in response to the pandemic lows have things snapped back to normal or did or, or did flights kind of go different places now than they did before?
5: well <clears throat> there, there are several angles to that so some airlines uh, you know are back to pre-pandemic levels in terms of their flight schedules others, uh, like United, for for instance, they keep um, harping on the fact that they they haven't brought back all of their uh, capacity because they want to make sure the system can handle it, you know, and they don't have to cancel a bunch of flights. That was a huge problem, as anybody who traveled over spring break or the hol- you know, the the uh, year-end holidays last year, know. In terms of destinations and so forth, I mean, I think one thing I for sure noticed is a lot fewer um non-stop flights at least mm-hmm. a lot of the places i like to go uh, so that requires connections you know kind of takes a longer day for you you know southwest airlines added 18 cities during the pandemic um, they still they still have all those so we haven't really seen a pullback you know in all those leisure destinations in most cases though there are some pilot issues that are affecting smaller communities interesting
3: Janine, what's your take on how people are returning to travel at this stage in the pandemic?
2: People are ready to travel. They are out. They want to do it. Um, of course, um, as you and Don mentioned, fly prices are sky skyrocketing. They've been they've been high. They are high. Um, guess as well. But people are trying to figure out how how can they still travel. Um, We've all been cooped up in our houses for the last two years and we're just ready to go anywhere, anywhere, um, whatever the budget allows. So I see people just, you know, catching up on their international travel, wanting to get out, you know, even they they're driving, you know, two, three, four hours from home, everyone's, everyone's ready for this.
3: Well, and I think for me, I just can't believe I'm actually getting on the plane until I'm like sitting in my seat. (laughs) You know, it's just like it was I feel like this period of travel required so much more flexibility than I was used to. You you just had to be ready. Okay, there's a surge in the place where you're going. Okay, we're actually not going to go. Okay, someone got COVID. We're not going to go. And I feel like it just it made all this travel seem a little more precious and also a little more contingent. Um, I want to take our first call Nicole in Sausalito. Welcome.
6: Hi, thanks. This is a great topic. Uh, my husband's actually a commercial airline pilot, so I'm seeing it kind of from the internal side, and he's been busier than he's ever been in his entire 25-plus-year career at the airlines. Oh, wow. um, we are actually celebrating our 25th anniversary and doing the big trip to Bora Bora this summer.
3: Oh, my gosh. How's that feel? Is this your first big trip? Uh, I mean, obviously, your husband's been flying yeah, around. but. No.
6: Yeah, first big trip for me. I mean, we actually flew during the pandemic when there were 4 people on a 777 and we were two of them, which was pretty wild also, but yeah, I'm excited. I mean, looking at the, you know, astronomical inflationary prices over there is pretty shocking, but we feel like let's do it. We're healthy and, you know, sort of celebrate, you know, being alive. So, Oh
3: man. Well, have a great twenty-fifth uh, anniversary in Bora Bora. I am—I'm uh, jealous. I'm also putting that on my list. That's you know, give, give my wife and I fifteen more years. Uh, <laughs> we'll get out there. Um, thanks so much. Uh, thanks so much, Nicole. Um, yeah, thanks
7: for the
3: talk. I uh, actually wanted to uh, ask you if you want to discuss some of the common mistakes that people make when they're traveling during this period. Gosh, um,
4: mistakes. I-, I would say not utilizing the different resources available to folks, especially when it comes to the pricing of travel right now. Um, Not only is airfare astronomical, but hotel prices are also out of control as well. Um, Something that I go to is points and miles. Um, You can get points and miles so many different ways that really offsets the cost of travel Mm -hmm. for you. Um, And there's ways to pay part cash and part miles. I think that's something that people leave on the table. They may not sign up for the right loyalty programs, if no loyalty program at all, when staying at a particular hotel.
3: Ashley, I'm totally that person and I feel guilty. Oh no,
4: you have (laughs) to do it. I mean, as you know, you said that you have kids and as a family of four, it just, travel wouldn't be tangible for us at this point um, without points and miles, honestly.
3: Oh man, we may need to come back to that after the break because I, I, I think I need a first step. You know, like I have, you know, we have Southwest, you know, uh, rewards. I have Hertz, whatever, but I feel like I have left a lot of that uh, on the table. We're talking about summer travel season this year with Ashley Onadelli, a travel writer and family travel advocate at the Points Guy, Janine Romo, a travel blogger and co-host of the Oh My Travel Podcast, and Don Gilbertson, a travel columnist at the Wall Street Journal. Part of what inspired this show is just thinking about summertime and whether we're actually gonna have what for a lot of people is a is a normal part of summer, travel to see family, travel to see new places. And we wanna know from you, have you planned a regular summer of travel for your family? Fancy vacations, car trips? Are you doing something different this year? Give us a call, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. 6786. You can get in touch Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or KQED Forum, or you can email your questions and your comments to forum at KQED.org. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more after the break. Welcome back to Forum, I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about summer travel season. Let's bring in Chris from Vallejo.
6: Good morning. Uh, There's so many great local things. Uh, one of the most beautiful places, I think in all of California and all the world is Mendocino County.
9: Mm. Mendocino is
6: gorgeous. It's a quick drive from the Bay Area. They have award-winning wineries up there and they have something that I, that's new to California there's cannabis farm tourism up there. You can actually go and do a weed and wine tour, go wine tasting, visit cannabis farms. It's a totally new experience. And it's so close to the Bay Area.
3: That's such a good point. I mean, I just want to give two individual location shout-outs in Mendocino County. One is the Boonville Hotel. That place is amazing in Boonville in general. And the other is Handywood State Park. If you haven't been up there and seen those Redwoods and read about the legend of the Hermit of Endy Woods. That is one of the most fun things to do with kids. It's just like, it's an instantly magical place. That's such a great point, um, Chris. And Janine, do you have uh, places on the other end of the spectrum, places that maybe you might avoid this summer?
2: Oh, that's a great question. Um, I I would avoid big um, big national parks like Yosemite. Um Simply because they right now they have a reservation system. So if you've had your heart set on Yosemite, you don't have reservations, try looking elsewhere. We have so many beautiful other national parks, other state parks. And as you mentioned, there's some really cool, like more underrated state parks. Um, I would avoid even places like Santa Barbara solving on the weekends, Ohio on the weekends those places are just so packed um, and they're kind of just the go-to for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So if you want more, you know, just a better experience, I would just avoid those, you know, high crowded, high crowded areas.
3: Ashley uh, on Let me ask you about a controversial one in my family, at least, which is Lake Tahoe during the summertime. What do you think?
4: You know, I've never been to Lake Tahoe in the summer. I've been in the fall. It was awesome but I've been playing around with going to Watsonville, which mm. is just 30 minutes outside of Monterey. I went there uh, many years ago um, on a spring break with my family and you can rent a condo on the beach and basically have the beach to yourself because no one's going to Watsonville. <laughs> uh. um, it, yeah, I'm thinking about doing that. It's also very cost-effective and Airbnb, you know, give or take, some of them are not, but um, yeah, it'll be an opportunity for us to get back to the ocean and to the coast.
3: Uh, without spending a ton of money. Yeah. Uh, Starting to get some uh, comments in from listeners as well. Sue writes, Las Vegas used to be a cheap destination. Cheap flights, cheap hotels. They figured you would spend your money on gambling. Not now. We have children and grandchildren in Henderson, Nevada. We're going to fly down to see them. Flights were $400 each from uh, from SFO or SJC, and hotel rooms are at least $300 a night. We're going to drive instead... And stay with our son, uh, Don Gilbertson, travel columnist with the Wall Street Journal. Vegas is another big destination, obviously, for people around here being close by. Home of our football team, the Raiders. Uh, and I wanted to, wanted to ask you about how, how you approach a Vegas trip at this point.
5: For the summer? Yeah, I, I mean, everybody thinks, you know, Vegas in the summer because it's uh, hot as it can possibly be. I live in Phoenix, so I'm very used to that weather. Uh how would I approach it? Um, I would definitely don't avoid go. The weekends. Oh. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I just got back uh, from well, about a month ago. Um, in my last job, we did a story on ten Las Vegas pool parties, so a colleague and I visited all ten of them.
3: You definitely um, have one of the worst jobs in journalism. I was just thinking. I that. Do. definitely thinking <laughs> but, that.
5: But like, it was cr- it was super crowded then. Uh, So in terms of money saving strategies for Vegas, I mean, it's just kind of the usual recommendations of, you know, go during the week. I have friends who are there right now during the week and yes, prices in general are up, but you know, there's so many choices in Vegas, you know, up and down the strip, off the strip, the palms just reopened, uh, you know, there's just, there's. Compared with a lot of other destinations, at least you have a wide variety of accommodations. So, you know, say you go on a Tuesday to a Thursday or Friday or Tuesday, you know, depending how long you want to go. And then just, you know, then come go home, whether you're driving or flying when everybody else is flying in for that uh, packed Mm -hmm. weekend.
3: Let's bring in another caller, Francisco in San Jose. Welcome. Good morning.
10: Hi. Yes. Yeah. I know. I, I just wanna. I just wanted to say. Um. You know. We were stuck for. You know. So long with this pandemic thing going on. So we didn't. We, you know. Nobody went out. Uh, other than. You know. Taking a walk to the park. But <laughs> now, uh, my family. We took a trip. Uh. Back in March. To uh, Mexico, uh, Guadalajara. I'm from there. I was born there, but they brought me here as a little kid. But not only that, we we just planned two more trips for this year. Um. We already bought ticket um for august uh to go back to um my hometown where i was born and then when we come back in november we'll be traveling to uh my wife's hometown in uh, acapulco guerrero uh it's a port area uh and we're just so happy that we're we're actually able to do that now um you know um and i think i hope that you know we we keep doing it every year oh man that's fun
3: Wait, so when you go back to guadalajara that's my my dad's family is from there from Jalisco. and what, are, what do you do yeah. when you go there?
10: Uh, well, see, I'm, I'm actually, I was born in Jalisco, so I'm from a little town. Um, it's, a, it's a, we call it a little rancho, like a little ranch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do a lot, uh, a lot of uh, horseback riding. Um, uh, I, get, I get involved, you know, we go to the mountains, um, you know, uh, garden asada. <laughs> we'll, we'll take a trip to uh, Puerto Vallarta, um, you know, just, just local things in the area uh, that we get into. Um, you know, and of course, you know, be with the family that's out there. Um, yeah, yeah but it, it, it's fun. It's my first, my, my kid, uh, my kid's four years old and it was his first family trip. Uh, he loved it. And, um, oh, yeah, ever since he's been asking me to go back, you know, he made little friends out there. So he loved it. Uh, we loved it. And, uh, um, uh, we felt safe in, in my hometown. So we're going back in August. And again, uh, in November, we'll be going to my wife's uh, hometown in Guerrero, uh, Acapulco.
3: Oh, man. That's great. I love that. And I, I have been meaning to, to go back there forever. I haven't been back there since we a wedding when I was like a little kid. So uh, that's awesome. And Francisco and San Jose, thank you so much uh, for, for that call. You know, uh, Don, um, visit California projects that spending on tourism will kind of return to pre-pandemic levels uh next year. It seems like things are already still crowded. Does that mean we're gonna get kind of a bounce back and kind of an overshoot even in having like way traveling way more than we did even before the pandemic?
5: Uh yeah, there's there's a lot of evidence of that. You know, people that didn't travel for for a couple of years now maybe taking longer trips or more frequent trips, you know, if this summer is Uh, back to normal as so many are relatively normal as so many people expect, Uh, you know, you just have to survey your friends to see all the trips they have planned. Again, you know, last summer, it wasn't like last summer, by the way, was slow. I mean, last summer travel really started to bounce back. What's changed this year and what's going to create crowds are, you know, we, um, you know, the international uh, travelers are back from, from most places, um, you know, due to the lifting of restrictions. So, you know you're gonna you're gonna see crowds in places you know bigger crowds in places versus a year ago. I was just in Times Square and oh my gosh a Tuesday on a Tuesday night earlier this week it was exactly like it was pre pandemic. Wow
3: yeah, I it sounds like you know I think in the Bay if we if you haven't been outside of the Bay recently the, the a lot of the rest of the country the pandemic is not being considered in many places or there's you no know, mass things seem fully back. And I think in the Bay area, you people are still um, keeping public health in mind as they go about their lives and try and try and return to some kind of sense of normalcy in this trans pandemic period. Um, let's uh, bring in Denise from San Francisco. Hi, Denise. Can you hear us?
9: Oh, hi. Uh, hey, this is Denise.
3: Hey, Denise, you're on. Hi. Go yeah. ahead.
9: I'm, I want to say I'm really frustrated and disappointed, you know, when I hear travel agents, travel advocates telling us to travel, when many of us can't even afford to do that. Mm-hmm. And um, and I mind my climate change footprints. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, in a climate crisis. And so I crossed off destinations that used to be on my list of, of destinations. I don't even uh, it's not worth it because of the climate crisis, and Greta Thunberg uh, proved that. Uh, you know, she wouldn't even get on an airplane to travel across the Atlantic or whatever. And, uh, well, no, so it's a good point, I have Denise. A
3: yeah. Oh, go ahead.
9: How do you um, manage your climate change footprints?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is uh, this is a, a really good question. And uh, I, you know, one of my friends uh, has gone to a lot of train travel. We know that train travel is pretty uh, efficient in that way. And we had uh, the author Jennifer Egan on the show recently, who said that for her book tours, she's going um, all to train travel. Um, Janine Romo, have you uh, have you explored uh, taking trains or any of the other guests? Jump in if this is, you know, if you're a train person. uh, Get in there.
2: Um. I have not done a, a whole lot of train travel within um, within the U.S. or within California, even. But uh, embracing slow travel is definitely one way to reduce your carbon footprint. Um, we are obviously in a climate crisis, and I do want to acknowledge that. Um, prior to the pandemic, I was traveling a lot more internationally, and um, you know, during the pandemic, that had to shift. And what, what do of- you
3: mean by slow travel? Like, what is
2: slower travel, like you know, going to a destination and spending more time there, opposed to bouncing around or you know just taking a long trip, you know, a long road trip, and you know just going straight back down. Just taking things a little bit slower, um, not going as far, or like once you're in a destination, staying there for for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's something that a lot of people can do with. Rem- uh, with remote work if you know a, the pandemic kind of shift things and how people work from home so that that's an option if that's an option for people they should consider it
3: No I totally agree that seems to be that, that was one of the big lessons for me in, in taking this camper van across the country was it was much, much slower than uh, than flying. But we also got to see all these places we would have never seen. We got to take our time with that trip and together as a family. And it really uh, you, you can see the appeal of it. I just wonder if as life feels like the speed is returning back to what it was, whether we're able to maintain some of those lessons that we we thought we learned. We are talking summer travel season this year with Janine Romo, a travel blogger and co-host of the Oh My Travel podcast, Ashley Onadelli, travel writer and family travel advocate at The Points Guy, and Don Gilbertson, a travel columnist at The Wall Street Journal. And we would love to hear from you. Have you planned a regular summer of travel for your family? Whether, you know, fancy vacations or something you put off, or just, you know, Car trip to visit cousins in Henderson, Nevada. Are you doing something different? Give us a call, 866 733 6786. That's 866 733 6786. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, KQD Forum. The email's forum at kqed.org. And again, the number is 866 733 6786. John, this is coming to you. One of our listeners, Bill, writes, I'm wondering how you can do a segment celebrating people getting in their cars and on airplanes without at a minimum mentioning the fact that we live in an age of global warming and maybe people should not be traveling so much or perhaps mentioning reputable carbon offset options. Um, love for you to discuss if, how you've thought about that and, you know, if you've been able to address it in some of your work as a travel writer.
5: I haven't done a whole lot on that, but I will tell you, I just, um, spent, uh, over an hour with the CEO of United airlines earlier this week in New York. And, you know, United has been doing, uh, a lot on the environmental front. And, um, I will tell you that he says carbon, uh, Scott Kirby is his name, carbon offsets. He calls them a fraud. Uh, he said the future is in, uh, you know, sustainable aviation fuel, and they're making investments there. So it's, it's a pretty tough topic. Yeah, yeah. To, it's a pretty tough topic to, you know, it's a pretty tough issue to fix overnight, you know, in an industry that buys jet fuel, fuel by the, you know, plane load.
3: Right. I mean, it's, you know, one thought that always occurs to me is how difficult it's been to build high-speed rail networks in the United States versus in other places. You can travel in China or Europe on rail very easily, and that has a major impact on um, your the, the climate or sort of friendliness of your travel. Let's bring in uh, Lynn from Menlo Park. Hi. Hi, Lynn. Can you hear me? Yeah.
11: Oh, hi. Um, So in, um, let's see, 2019, after I retired, my husband and I bought an Airstream camper. And for the last three years, um, we have been volunteering at national parks as camp hosts. And it's allowed us to not only give back to the park system, but we've been able to um, enjoy the outdoors all during um, covid and um, educate campers about camping, because we've had a lot of new campers out.
3: Oh, wow. So what do you do? Like, how, what is a camp post? I haven't heard of this.
11: Oh, so um, so we've been up to um, Mount Rainier, um, North Cascade National Park, um, and also um, San Juan National Historic Park. And they give you a campsite um, with full hookups. So we have electric water and sewer. And we're there all day and into the early evening, um, helping campers check in, answering questions about the national parks, um, where the best hikes are. We do a lot of education with their safety um, and um, and um, how to be safe around a campfire. Wow. And handling emergencies.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that is seems like an amazing way of spending some time in your retirement.
11: It's been great, yeah.
3: yeah. Thank you so much, Lynn, from Menlo Park. Maureen, a listener, writes in to say, just wanted to say that our family is trying what we see as a unique California vacation option, the family camp. We'll be spending a week at city, at the city of Berkeley's Echo Lake Camp. Seems like an interesting and more affordable option to spend time in the Lake Tahoe area as a family of four. And Ashley uh, Onadelli, you're a family travel advocate. Do you have other tips for families that might be traveling looking for lower cost options?
4: Absolutely. So definitely the points or miles route to kind of offset that money that's coming out of your pocket. Um, I also recommend home home rentals and apartment rentals, condo rentals. That's going to be your Airbnbs, VRBOs. Um, That's going to require sometimes more of a deeper dive, a little bit more time to find the place that's right for your family um, and is also cost effective but in exchange when you rent a home you get a ton of space possibly a backyard a kitchen where you can cook your own meals because a lot of at least for my budget when I'm uh, traveling and away from home is feeding my family Uh, so if we can go to the store and purchase some items for the week and then we cook most of our meals at home that's huge Um, I also find that that helps when we're traveling internationally um, not just financially, but kind of to feel like we are not uh part of the bringing in a bunch of food from different places. We can shop locally, mm-hmm. um, when we travel that way. Um, so that helps with cost. when it comes to like road trips, there's a lot of apps that help you save a little bit on gas. Uh, I currently use an app called get upside, which finds cents off per gallon in my area, wherever I am, it uses my location. Um, so those are my tips for families.
3: Oh, man, that's great. We're talking about the summer travel season this year with Ashley Onadelli, a travel writer and family travel advocate with The Points Guy, Don Gilberton, a travel columnist at The Wall Street Journal, and Janine Romo, a travel blogger and co-host of the Oh My Travel podcast. When we come back for the break, we're going to talk a little about the meaning of travel. Has the pandemic changed how you travel or what makes travel meaningful for you? You can give us a call, 866-733-6786. Also, Rick writes in, my wife and I are celebrating our 40th wedding anniversary with a road trip in October to Santa Barbara and Catalina Island, then later in the year, New Zealand. Congratulations, Rick. Congratulations to your wife. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more after the break.
0: Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera.
3: Welcome back to Forum. We're talking about the summer travel season this year with Don Gilbertson, travel columnist at the Wall Street Journal; Janine Romo, travel blogger, co-host of the Oh My Travel Podcast; and Ashley Onadeli, a travel writer and family travel advocate. Wanted to ask the three of you, and, and maybe uh, Janine, let's start with you. You know, since the start of the pandemic, has travel changed for you on sort of a philosophical level? Like, do you feel differently? about the way you travel or it's, it's meaning to you.
2: I definitely feel different. Um, I feel just so much more, like just grateful to be in, to be able to travel in general. And I've always been, you know, grateful that I'm, you know, I have this privilege to travel. Um, but I don't know, something changed after the pandemic, just, you know, and being able to, I'm I feel lucky that I was, uh, quote unquote, stuck in California, because we do live in such a beautiful state. And I was able to explore, you know, the beautiful outdoors that we have here. Um, I just grateful is just the word that that comes to mind.
3: Yeah. Ashley, how about you?
4: Yeah, we've definitely sustainability has become my word of the year. And I'm very slowly teaching myself ways that we can be less impactful slash more impactful when we travel. Um, so we went to Hawaii uh, earlier in the year, which is a hot topic. Um, but we, we did a beach cleanup when we were there and we've decided that it's gonna be something we want to add as our, part of our vacations as much as possible. So our kids learn that when we visit someone else's home, that it is a blessing and it's something that a lot of people can't do. In that we need to treat their home the same way that we would treat our own. Um, so it's made me more mindful when I'm visiting a place. Instead of saying, "Oh, I want to see these places," and I, 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 it's more about um, I think all of us as a whole. That's what we've learned during the pandemic. Yeah,
3: you know Don Gilbertson. I mean, you've been a travel writer for for quite some time. You know, at USA Today and now at the Wall Street Journal. Did the pandemic change your view of travel at all, given that it was such a, you know, been such a part of your life for, for so long?
5: I think, I think it did. Uh, I mean, it hasn't necessarily changed the way i have traveled though, like Ashley just mentioned, I did go to Hawaii last summer for work, but I did learn there, you know, when you see, when you see travelers behaving in ways that you would never behave yourself, I mean, it just opens you up to how mindful you have to be about um, respecting, um, the people who live there and not just going in as some entitled tourist. But I think I'm it's, I'm also very grateful. I mean, I've always been grateful to travel, but I'm particularly grateful now. You know, I spent the first nine months of the pandemic holed up in a 500 square foot studio in Chicago. Mm. I had moved there. You know, my kids are grown. I had moved there thinking, OK, this is going to be a new chapter. Yeah, a new chapter. And, you know, I didn't, I had a bunch of friends that were coming to visit. I had plans to, you know, uh, travel that region and, you know, everything. I, I didn't get to do any of it. I mean, I, right before I left, I did get to go to, uh, Grand Haven in Michigan, but, but beyond that, you know, I didn't, I didn't get to experience what I'd hoped to experience. So now every trip personal or professional, you know, is, all the more sweeter.
3: Yeah, Let's bring in uh, another caller, Tina, from San Francisco. Welcome, Tina.
5: Hi,
12: good to be with you. Thanks for joining us. Um, I just wanted to pick up the thread. Thank you so much for doing this uh, show. First off, I wanted to pick up the thread on slow travel. So I'm an environmental journalist. I'm also a senior fellow at UC Berkeley. And for two decades, my friends and I have been bike touring and bike camping. Um, mm. And during the pandemic, that was just fantastic because we were all outdoors, so it also felt safe. So nice idea for the slow travel.
3: Oh, man, Tina, wait, stay with us because I am, I am so curious about this. How good do I have to be at biking to do bike touring?
12: Oh, that, that is a really great question. I just got that from somebody who was uh, saying, aren't there a lot of hills on
3: the West Coast, <laughs> somebody from the East Coast? And I was like, yep,
12: they're intense. We went last summer um, from San Francisco to Santa Cruz, and, you know, it's challenging. And, you know, in the last 20 years that we've done it, I've gotten older, and some of us have shifted to electric bikes. Mm. So that's, you know, an opportunity. But I say just take it one gear at a time. I mean, just, you know, cruise along and enjoy what you're seeing.
3: Yeah. I mean, I guess the other thing that worries me having you know, my, one of my favorite places in the world is uh, the Sea Ranch up um, mm-hmm. at the very north end of Sonoma County on the coast. And mm-hmm. I'm always when I'm passing bikers there along, you know, right along the coastal highway, I'm just I'm worried for their safety. Do you do you worry about it and how do you manage that fear?
12: Yeah, that's a great question. We, we are concerned about that. We often take um, Coastal Highway 1 up or, or, you know, going north or south. Uh, we wear really bright clothing. Um, you know, we have the, the safety, you know, neon yellow with the big uh, bright orange triangle on it. And then we have flags. And I think it's, it's the people in the back who bring attention to the fact that there's a bike crew. The people in the front are safer. But I think all those colors that we wear um, yeah. help. And we're only out during the day.
3: Well, maybe someday I will get brave enough to do what you're doing. Um, that's a great, great tip though, Tina. Thank you so much. Um, I'm gonna yeah. go right to um, Angela in Kensington. Welcome to the show, Angela.
9: Hi,
6: thank you. Um, I just have a question. I'm, I'm missing my, my wonderful niece's um, wedding next week in North Carolina because I do not want to fly into North Carolina now that they've lifted, lifted the mask mandate. Mm and i'm wondering if the airlines are considering offering mask only flights i would gladly pay a little bit extra uh, to fly on a plane where everyone is wearing a mask i flew back from michigan last week after my mother had a fall i had to fly and it was pretty scary with people not wearing masks so yeah. that's my question i'm wondering that's if airlines a, that's are considering. interesting
3: how the industry is responding to it thanks so much for that question angela um, don are the airlines approaching masks? are they are they talked about offering, you know, COVID cautious versus less flights?
5: Unfortunately, absolutely not. Uh, At least, at least among the 10, you know, U.S. airlines that I cover the most closely, uh, you know, and I, uh, like the caller said, I did, I flew this week and I have taken probably four flights in the last couple of weeks and including from New York, you know, which like San Francisco has been very cautious. And I, I would say, one out of 10 people were wearing a mask. So I, you know, it's not like, it's not discouraged obviously, but it's certainly not required. And I don't see a move um, towards putting that mask mandate back unless some, you know, a federal ruling comes down again, unfortunately.
3: Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, Let's bring in Robin in Novato. Oh, Robin in Pacifica, excuse me. Oh. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, sure can, Robin.
13: Hi, um, thank you for the show. I appreciate the conversation. I'm totally zoned in on what you're discussing, and I would, as Californians, I would say try to find a wonderful place like you guys have been suggesting in California to vacation. I just came back from three weeks in Europe, and I am very, very grateful and very fortunate to make it back within the time frame and on my flights and stay within my group for the entire time because... Um, the country I came from, um, the BA2 at the time in April was running about 20%.
3: That is to say the Omicron variant, right, yeah.
13: Yeah, we, we had to test every morning um, to stay within our group. We, we masked, we wore KN95s and N95s. We did hand hygiene and did social distancing within our group um and my girlfriend and i that i traveled with we both work in hospitals so for us this was just like work Mm. and and um but when we got off and we did the tours in the group it was an amazing trip the company that we were with the tour it was fantastic they did an amazing job to help us stay safe but every morning um, it was a cruise on, on a river. Every morning there would be luggage off on the side of the dock, off the boat, and there would be people leaving because they tested positive the day before.
3: Oh, man.
13: And they would take them off, they'd take them off to a hotel, and once, they're off, once you're off your trip, and this is three weeks now, once you're off your trip, you're, you're off your trip. They, wherever Whatever town we were in, city we were in, even major cities, smaller places, um, you'd go to a hotel you would have to quarantine. You would stay there until you tested negative twice. And then you would bear the expense of your quarantine and the expense of renegotiating your flight back home. And believe me, we couldn't – once we were over there, we realized the impact of what we were in the middle of. It was so important to Uh, not test
3: positive. Yeah, I I mean the – Yeah, thank you, Robin. Really appreciate that. Robin in Pacifica, because – yeah, the the high of being on a long European vacation because you've never done that before, to the low of being stuck in like a budget motel, waiting uh, awaiting your quarantine to end or your your actual your isolation to end. Actually, um, wow, yeah, I can I can imagine that that's tough. Um, Want to bring in uh, Anthony and Novato. Welcome, Anthony.
14: Hi there, welcome. I mean, thank you. Um, I'm planning a big one this year. Um, I'm turning 60 uh, on July 14th, and that's Bastille Day in France. So we're going to Paris. Um, My wife and two adult kids, and my brother and sister in law are joining as well. So it's the big one, and we're super excited. And then we're going to Venice and Florence as well.
3: Oh, man. And are you, how are you thinking about it? I mean, are you, if cases were to soar, would you still go?
14: That's a good question. Yes. is the uh, First answer. Um, you know, we've you know, we'll we'll do what we need to do on our end and wear masks. And um, I actually did buy travel insurance mm-hmm. um, that does cover all of that, as well as medical insurance while we're there, just in case. So I feel like we're prepared. But, you know, fingers crossed. It is in the back of my mind, but I'm not really focusing on it. I'm really just focusing on. Looking at the great restaurants and the museums <laughs> and all of that fun stuff, so
3: that's yeah. my focus. Hey, all yeah. right, I'm, I'll be I'll be rooting for you to be able to take the trip, Anthony. And uh, happy happy future Thank birthday. You. Um, you know, Laura you. Uh, listener writes. Uh, you know, is it safe to travel this summer to other states where rates are currently rising fast? We have two children, age seven and eleven, and one of us over fifty. We're all vaccinated. However, our son has just been out of school for a week, sick with COVID symptoms. And this, along with high positive rates in the Berkeley schools, makes us somewhat hesitant to travel into other areas. And Martine writes, The pandemic helped me to discover so much more about where I live. I'm no longer interested in traveling much, and am more invested in getting to know the depths and details of my home place in the Bay Area. It'll take a lifetime to understand and know the cultural and natural world here, and so I wanted to ask you, uh, Janine Romo, what's a place close to where you live that you've decided, you know, this is this that you discovered during this time?
2: Oh wow! Um, you know, I feel like I've just kind of rediscovered. California in general, I Mm -hmm. spent so much time, um, just slowly, you know, traveling around, you know, road tripping around California. Um, I feel very fortunate that, you know, I was able to take that time and really rediscover where I'm from. Um, so many places I (laughs) um, you know I went up to Redwoods National Park during a long road trip um, and I mean that's like almost touching Oregon or I don't know if it does touch Oregon actually Um, but it's up there it's up there Um, and it was just it was so magical it was during the winter time and there were hardly any you know There were no crowds at all there. There were people out, but no crowds at all. And it was just such a beautiful place. So serene. And um, that was that was one place that kind of stuck out.
3: Yeah. Ashley, how about you? Is there a place that you discovered or rediscovered near your home? you, You live here in the Bay Area.
4: Yeah, I, I full disclosure was absolutely that person who would travel across the country internationally and have people ask me, oh, have you been to so-and-so? <laughs> and I would tell them where I was from. And I would say, no, I haven't been there. So um, since we've been kind of grounded, I would say we, we did like Tahoe, um, we're thinking about stay on like on the Russian river, closer to home. Um, like I said, I mentioned Watsonville, getting to the beach there. Like we don't have to go to Mexico to go to the beach. Um, and, and it's just kind of staying also within Livermore, I have only been here about three years, but I joke with my husband that I've decided to move in now (laughs) Decided (laughs) to explore, like how beautiful it is. And like, you know, people are suggesting, oh, but this winery, you don't have to go to Napa for a winery, or, um, we have this national reserve area here, which I had no idea about. So yeah, I'm still, I'm still finding out places that are closer to home that don't require a a plane ride.
3: Yeah. I mean, I just want to chip in on this one for the Bay Area and, and near you. I mean, I th- Briones, people on the show have probably already heard me shout out Briones. I apologize, but it's an amazing park, great place to run and hike and, and do all the things. And of course, Mount Diablo is this huge, massive, um, you know, natural area that you can, you know, have amazing views all over the Bay. And you can really feel like wildernessy so, so, so uh, close by. I want to take one last call, Ruth, in San Francisco. Welcome to the show.
7: Yeah, hi. Thanks for taking my call. For many, many years, when our kids were younger, the way we traveled was through home exchange. We still Mm -hmm. do it sometimes. In fact, we're going to do an exchange with people in San Luis Obispo in a couple of weeks. But when the kids were little, it was ideal because we would exchange with uh, other families, often kids the same age. They'd have books. you would have toys, videos cook at home. It made it affordable and also much more pleasant than, uh, than being in a hotel.
3: Where's the best place you ever got to stay?
9: Mm-hmm.
7: Well, there were quite a few of them in France.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
7: I which one was the best? But uh, um,
3: And how do you yeah, find they... those? This has always been my question. I would, I, I would love to do oh, this. Um, how do you find
7: home them? Ex- HomeExchange.com
3: Oh, (laughs) a very complex process called home No,
7: It's it's basically you, you, you pay a a pretty nominal fee and then it's up to you to create a good site. If you don't put photos on, nobody's going to look. So you, you put photos of your place, you describe your, your place as detailed as you can, you know, not just how many bedrooms and bathrooms, but various amenities, you know, um, it's an urban environment, or you know, whatever right, it is, right. and you say what you're looking for. And some people are just open to anything. I've had requests from you name it from Australia, from Ireland, from all over Europe, um, and right. you you can be very specific with where you want to go, or you can kind of be open to anything. Um, people say, "Well, how do you trust the people?" And the way I describe it is, it pretty much is one bourgeois family exchanging with another bourgeois family so they want you to take care of their stuff and you want them to take care of your stuff and sure you can put away things that you would be so upset if they broke um but honestly if someone breaks the plate i don't care you know i can i, I break the plate there's again, always
3: more plates in this world yeah um, ruth uh, thank you so much a, a great tip have to get to this uh comment which is just wonderful uh andrea writes last july I traveled to Guadalajara from Michigan to visit my mother. On a visit to Lake Chapala, I remembered how much I missed my home country. After 43 years of living in the U.S., I couldn't bring myself to leave. I'm renting a lovely apartment and becoming a part of the community. I walk, use public transportation or taxis to move around. I've been procrastinating about going back to Michigan to take care of my belongings and selling my car using my open-ended return ticket. As callers have mentioned, I have misgivings about the COVID surge. But wow, that's a fun stage of life. We've been talking about summer travel season this year with Don Gilbertson, travel columnist with The Wall Street Journal. Thank you so much for joining us.
5: Thanks for having me. It's a great conversation.
3: Janine Romo, travel blogger and co-host of the Oh My Travel podcast. Thanks, Janine.
5: Thank you so much.
3: And Ashley Onadelli, travel writer, family travel advocate, the points guy, proud resident now of Livermore, California. Thanks for coming on.
4: Thank you so much.
3: This hour of Forum is produced by Ariana Prale. It's her last show this week. Blanca Torres, Grace Juan, and Cesar Saldana. Marlena Jackson Rotondo is our engagement producer. Judy Campbell's lead producer, Susan Davis. Senior producer, our engineers are Danny Bringer, Katie McMurrin, Brendan Willard, Chris Hoff. Our interns are Jennifer Ng and Palsy Kelly Campos. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more Forum with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio,
9: the Germanicos Foundation,